Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz Australia's only live business and markets TV channel. It's great to have your company as we're streaming Throughout the trading day here in Australia, of course, it's just gone midday, and that is time for the call. I'm David Kosh, and for the next 60 minutes or so, we're going to answer your questions about your stocks, the companies that you're most interested in. The call looks at 10 stocks, 60 minutes, with two expert panellists to give their opinion on whether they like it, whether they love it, whether they hate it, whether they would buy, sell or hold. You will get all the details here and uh, it's usually a lot of fun and gives you some great direction. But the most important thing is that they're the stocks you want us to discuss. So if you've got a, a stock that you're scratching your head about or you've fallen out of love with and you want some uh, a different opinion on it, either email in to the call at osbiz.com.au or you can get us through Twitter as well. Joining us today, Rudy Philip Van Dyke, the editor of FN Arena. Rudy, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, Rudy and I go way, way back. We haven't seen each other for about 10 or 12 years, have we? So Yeah, and I think we started off 20 years ago. Yep, exactly. So uh, you haven't aged at all, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm being very kind. Uh, also on the panel today, Claude Walker. The, um, the founder of A Rich Life. Claude, welcome to the call and to Ausbiz TV. Thank you for having me on. Uh, good to have you here uh, via Skype. And uh, let me tell you, that is the way of the world at the moment, doing crosses via Skype into people's homes or home studies. Yours is a particularly impressive one, Claude. Way better than the usual white walls that we get from a lot of analysts, which are very boring. So we'll just squint and have a look at your reading list on your bookshelf, which is always oh, a great I, opener to someone's character. I can't take all the credit for that. Though. That's, there's some art books that are for my partner, not me. Oh, okay. All right. No need to make excuses for art. We all love a bit of culture. All right. Let's get straight in. Let's get straight into it, you two. Uh, and the first one up, Rudy, what do you think of uh, Megaport? Uh, sort of a tech company, but in data, data centers, really, is that? Um, they don't do data centers themselves, yep. but they link companies up to data centers. Um, yep. I mean, I feel that I have to, I have to um, open up every paragraph I say, but this is still a bear market. Let's not forget this right. one. And uh, what this bear market in particular has done is it has uh, quickly weeded out the companies that are less affected from the pandemic and from the recession that's coming and the companies that are more affected. Yeah. Uh, it has decided that that part of the telecommunication industry, the one that links up with uh, with uh, cloud computing and with data centers, that's quite resilient. And we see that, for example, also with uh, one of the best performing stocks on the share market this year, believe it or not, is NextDC, up yeah. 36%. Now, in the slipstream of NextDC comes a company like Megaport, 
No. Because um, just from the chart there, it's had a reasonable bounce, isn't it? Yes. Back, yes, um, yes. From the bottom, Not back up first, over 11 exactly, bucks. Yes, exactly. So there are, there, there are a few dozen companies out there where you wouldn't notice that we had a big bear market going on in 2020. Huh. Um, and Megapol is one of those companies, um, also after management reconfirmed their guidance for the year, mm. that uh, they're doing reasonably well in this, in this climate. So we don't need to be worried about a, a big slash to their earnings forecast. And all yeah, that. Well, they say revenues up 10% or something, wasn't it? The last day or two, they've been coming out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, I mean, it's, it's not a straight, straightforward story because they, mean, they, they still have staff on the ground and all that. But uh, it's, it's that segment of the market which, which where investors at the moment are seeking refuge. Yeah. And um, and companies like Nextc, Megaport, it's it's all that same theme. In a, in a way, you could actually throw in a b- bit of Telstra there as well. Um, and and there will be there will be others that uh, mean. Okay. What what bear markets sometimes do is they accelerate the trends that were already in place before. And and let's face it, we were all moving towards more data, yep. more data centers, more online, etc., more cloud. Yeah. And, um, and we're obviously taking the view now as a community that that trend is not, not going to stop with the bear market. It's going to accelerate. Yep. And you see that in the share price. Yep. Okay. So you like the company? Um, I, I have to say, I, I'm a shareholder in, uh, in NextTC. Right. Long time. Um, so that's, I, a, that's a, a better bet than... Yes, I think Megapod. so. Uh, although I can see where the, where, the, where, the, where the attractiveness comes in from Megapod now, because NextTC already has rallied a lot more. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I tend not to... If I have a portfolio, I tend not to have all my money in one sector. Yeah. So yeah. this sector, my, my preference is with NextTC. Okay. All right. Claude, what do you reckon? Megapod. Well, I'll, I'll find one area of differentiation with Rudy, which is that I actually prefer it as a business to NextDC. I, I agree with his characterization of the business, but uh, what makes this in, such an impressive business to me is that it has this sort of network effect uh, where by building these ports where they connect different data centers and um, their customers, essentially, uh, each time they add new customers, they can potentially get more revenue per port. So they're getting uh, a gradually increasing amount of revenue per port, which creates this sort of network effects. I think it's worth taking a step back and explaining exactly what they do. Um, It's called a software-defined network, but if you wanted a more descriptive name, you could always just call it private internet, and it fills the void uh, where the connection isn't so huge and complicated that you need a big um, public and existing provider, but where it's not so small that you can just install your own um, fiber optic cable. And that niche still has a fairly long way to go. And as more and more business goes online, um, I think it is a tailwind there, which we are seeing um, boosted by this uh, tragic pandemic. Um, Having said that, for me, as with NextDC, the pricing is still a little bit too optimistic. So I've just put this one on my watch list for uh, stocks I would really like to buy um, if the going gets even tougher on markets, which I think it, it may well do. Um, it's true that the business itself isn't overly impacted uh, by a pandemic, but when you have a, a real uh, economic downturn, everything gets impacted to an extent. So I'm definitely uh, holding out for a cheap price at the moment. Okay, so if we get an, uh, another market pullback, you could be in the market for, for Megaport. At what price? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say probably right now it'd be an absolute no-brainer buy for me at around 5 or $6. I would almost certainly start uh, 
start accumulating the stock somewhere between uh, seven and eight dollars, which is really only where it was a few months ago. Um, this this is a stock that has enjoyed a strong rally in recent months. So in into the end of the bull market, it really was a leader, and I actually owned it then. Um, but and it's because it has a great business model, and as they've shown, you know, they've got ARR at sixty four uh, million at the moment, or sixty five rather. But they've still got a market cap of last I checked over a billion. So they're not really cheap in any way, shape, or form. It was not not obviously cheap. If it came down yeah. to a lower price, then I'd be tempted. Okay. absolutely. But I, well, I do it bit by bit. Five, five, five to six bucks is a long way from eleven. Yes, well, so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think one comment to make about that one is that you have to be careful by trying to only pick cheap stocks in the bear market because right. once the bear market has decided that certain stocks are better than others, they may not get cheap until this is over and we are right. switching into beaten down stocks from the winners. Yeah? Right. Like uh, a very, very simplistic uh, example, CSL went into the last bear market at $38. It came out at 38 and it went to 30 in 2009 when everyone was buying B the BHPs and the Rios of the world. Yeah? Yeah. So you may have to wait a long time before right. it's, and then and you can still argue whether that's cheap or not. Yeah. Right? Okay. Of course, today it's more than $200 yeah. higher. I could definitely yeah. see myself. I could definitely see myself missing this one for the exact reasons that you just said that. Yes. Okay. Uh, Claude, what about Linus? Something completely different? Rare Earths? The, yeah. the, the intriguing, covert, black world of Rare Earths. That's like, uh, when you read about it, it's like spy novel, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I've got a number of reasons to be cautious of this one. I guess it would be at least worth mentioning that just towards the end of March there, which I think you can probably see reflected on that graph, um, they announced that their plant has been temporarily, temporarily halted in Malaysia, which is obviously going to be a, a negative for the business. I think the key detail there is at the moment they've said um, that that order has been extended to the 14th of April, which probably seems a little bit... Uh, on the optimistic side to me. Now, of course, economies will, uh, or governments will do their best to get economies firing up as quickly as possible. Uh, but given uh, that the moment the market, well, the market doesn't know when that plant's going to come back. And of course, they've actually had a, a bit of a difficult history um, yeah. with that over the years anyway, with their relationship with the Malaysian government. So I basically am very cautious on this one until I see uh, operations um, kicking off again. And then, of course, you've got this uh, longer-term effect of we don't know exactly how all of um, this, these economic shutdowns are going to impact demand, but I suspect that demand won't bounce back as quickly as many people uh, think, it, think it will at the moment. So that's another reason to be cautious in my book, just based on the difference between my opinion and the, I guess, more widely held opinion out there, which is that don't worry, we have all the financial tools we need, need to kickstart markets again as soon as this is over. Right. Rudy, what do you think? Everything Lord just said, and we still have to remember, it is a bear market. Yeah. Um, I assume this stock has been mentioned because some people just like the bottom fish. Yeah. Right? I'm not a bottom fish. I don't think Lord is either. Um, to be a little bit contrarian here, if you want to invest in commodities, then often the best entry point is when they're down on their knees and begging for mercy. Yeah? That uh, special battery materials sector has been on their knees for quite a while now. Um, so that is, if, you are, if, that's, if that sorts with your character, with your risk appetite, if that, if that connects, 
uh, the, the problem with that is, is that sometimes you really have to be patient for a very long time. I mean, uranium, for example, has been in a downtrend for quite a number of years now. Yep. And every time you see investors piling in, in the hope that there's this strong rally coming from, from beaten down levels, and apart from a few uh, rays of sunshine, it just hasn't happened yet. Yep. Yeah? Yep. So the ideal entry point is when they're down on their knees, but you have to be prepared to be patient for a very long time. I actually think for most investors, not for punters, not for traders, but for most investors, this is just not not investment grade. Right. They should not, and if they do it, only allocate a very small portion of your portfolio yeah. because risk can work both ways. Okay, so a real punt for Linus if you're prepared to take it. Um, Rudy, what about Vanguard? Um, I'm assuming you're, uh, you're um, uh, uh, mentioning now an ETF, Australian yep. shares? Yeah. Okay. Um, that is not a bad idea if you feel that you are not very confident in picking individual stocks and you think um, you are going to pick the wrong stocks and, and you end up missing by what actually what you're trying to achieve. So as a generalized um, uh, entry in the market, that's not too bad. But of course, it means that you have the bad and the good. And if, if an individual stock basis, um, there are definitely stocks out there that will look very, very good on a long-term basis. And with with the ETF that simply reflects the market, you're just gonna, I mean, going go up and down with the market essentially. Right. Um, I mean, I mentioned earlier this likes of CSL, um, Megaport, and and XTC and, and things like that. You would have missed out on what those stocks have done so far by simply owning an ETF that copies right. the market. Because I mean, you're going down with the other ones as well. Yeah, yeah. And it is a bear market, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> at some stage, at some stage... <laughs> you keep can, mentioning that. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think it can't be emphasized enough. We, it's funny that we, we have this one-way view of financial markets where our sentiment means that's what happens in the market. But yeah. it works both ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at, at times when the market sells off, we all of a sudden get very, very, very scared and we get very worried. And now we have a, a, a scenario where the market is going up for a few days and now we're getting all optimistic again. Now we're talking right. Linus and, we, uh, yeah, yeah. and, and taking yeah. extra risk. In a bear market, you take less risk. So, so you're firmly of the view this is a bear trap, basically. Yes, yes. I don't. I don't. I think after the enthusiasm which we are now seeing seeping back into the market, we still have to. I suspect have to deal with the second wave of the of the pandemic, and with the global recession, which is uh, just around the corner, taking yep. place right now. But we haven't seen it yet in the data. Right. Okay. Except those. Uh, Yes. Uh, those figures are the US and, and people. All, and that's just the start. Yeah, yeah. Applying for, uh, yes. uh, for unemployment benefits, what, 3.3 yeah. million one week, 6.6 .6 the next. Yes. They reckon more than five yes. for, the, yes. for the next week. Yes. So looks really horrible. Uh, Claude, what do you reckon about sort of Vanguard e ETS? Well, I think that Rudy's speaking in a lot of sense. The only thing that I could add really would be to say that if you did want to buy a Vanguard ETF of the Australian market, yep. you should. I would personally uh, recommend just doing it bit by bit. So that's dollar cost ad averaging, which means that if it just so happens we're about to have another leg down, you wouldn't want to put all your money in now and then suddenly you find you're down another 20 or even 30% if yeah. things get bad or, or it could just be a slow bleed. If, as we are thinking, there's definitely going to be some kind of recession certain countries are going to have it worse than others unfortunately it doesn't look like 
the world's um, biggest sort of economy in the US is actually handling the pandemic particularly well. So that is actually bad for everyone because they're a huge source of demand and essentially it could be quite a while before we really start coming out of this in a strong way. So if I were to invest in a market ETF, I would do it bit by bit. Right. I would actually like to add that the, what Claude just says actually applies to all individual stocks as well. Right. If, you, if, you, if you're sitting in cash now and, and you want to buy anything, doesn't matter whether it's Linus or CSL or, or Megaport, I suggest you move in small steps. Yeah. Because what happens today in the share market doesn't tell you anything about what's going to happen next week or in a month's time. And you have to be prepared to, 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 to the fact that you're going to buy today or tomorrow and in a month's time that share price can go down. Yeah. Well, uh, we had a family dinner the other weekend, my, my brother is in the wealth management business and he was explaining it to my nieces and nephews and he said, look, if you've got $10 to invest, maybe invest three now and then just see how you go. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. So just do it gradually, yeah. little steps because yeah. it is way too scary out there to actually have a, a firm indication of where the next six to 12 months is going to be. Yeah, you can't have conviction here. No, 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 exactly. That's a great way of putting it. Um, Claude, uh, Flight Centre has um, had the headlines over the last couple of weeks. It's been to the market. It, it's raised a fair bit of dough. It's closed a lot of its uh, the Flight Centre um, shops and, and uh, shop fronts right around the country. Uh, it doesn't look as though we're going to be all of us travelling anytime soon. Uh, what's your view on Flight Centre? Well, I should probably disclose from the outset here, I actually have an open short position on Flight Centre that I haven't closed yet. Now, I I put on that short uh, quite some time ago at, at much higher share prices. Uh, for obvious reasons, with the pandemic uh, in the offing, it was pretty clear to, to me that uh, this business was going to have real trouble through no fault of its own, in particular, just through the tragedy of the situation. Um, so... I've got that open position now. I'm probably I'm less bearish on it now that it's raised a whole bunch of money. I think it raised capital at seven dollars twenty, um, which is really just a fraction of what its share price was, like a third of what its share price was. I think looking at this, it's actually less than a third of what its share price was when I short sold it not that long ago. Um, so the so the descent has been extremely rapid and really goes to the actual uh, quality of this kind of business in that ability for revenue to just drop really quickly. Now that can happen in any recession, but the fact that this one was caused by a horrible infectious disease is particularly bad luck for Flight Center. So I essentially wish it the best of luck recovering, but other than closing out my short position at some point fairly soon, I imagine, um, I would steer clear of it uh, just because we don't know how long this lull is going to last yet. So an absolute uh, best case scenario to my mind is that Know, things are starting to get better in terms of um, the economy in about two or three months. But one of the last things that's going to get better is like the idea of international travel for pleasure. So whilst um, they do have business revenues and maybe some business travel will get started, I think it's just going to be a really long, slow road for them. And travel will be one of the last things that picks up again. And what's more, you have to think about what the paradigm shift is that's going to happen now. The world is increasingly uh, experimenting with ways they can function without having to resort to getting on a plane and going onto the other side of the world. So we're going mm. to get different practices. It will change us as, as people. 
And so that is bad news for Flight Centre as well, in my opinion. Yep. Ready? I mean, every, everything that Claude just said, I, I agree with. Um, with the warning that I think for most retail investors, it's probably not wise to go short on stocks. That's just a strategy that most wouldn't fit. Yeah. Um, what I would like to emphasize with stocks like, like, a, like a flight center is that simply because the share price has been clobbered, it does not by definition mean you have a better opportunity at hand. There's always the reason why and how long, how long is that going to impact on the share price. Flightsend has probably and probably still is. It's definitely the oldest listed we have on the ASX in that sector, and it's probably the, the the highest quality one. So you have that discussion that you can have: Are you going to buy the best-looking property in a rundown neighborhood or not? See, I'm usually of the fact that I, if the if the neighborhood is rundown, I'm probably not going to go there. I mean, in the share market right. as well. Flight Center was already struggling before 2020 started. You can see that in the share price, how it has moved over the past three, four, five years. I mean, it, the, the only reason why this company had profit growth is because it was cutting costs. So a company that already goes into the, into the crisis, basically in, in trouble, will have even more trouble when actually the crisis hits. And that's basically what's happening with Flight Center. I think people should not underestimate this company is literally struggling for survival. Uh, it's 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 hemorrhaging about 65 million a month, and it now has, with the capital raising and with, with some with asset sales and closing down, uh, half of its bricks and mortar shops, which is quite amazing. Um, it has now about 20 months. Right. Um, uh, so basically, long and short of it is, if this lasts for much longer, uh, and the closer we get to the 20 months. The share market will, will again global this stock on the expectation that they will have to come back to the market and raise more capital. Yeah. Now that's a very bad scenario now, but it's not impossible. Mm. And I, I basically think it's too much risk for the for the okay. retail investors. Because flight center, let me put this to you though. Flight center, as you say, best of breed in that sector, yeah. the oldest. Did it change its business model to a higher cost business model and it basically hasn't worked because as you were saying, it was in strife going into this. Will they use this downturn as a way to almost go back to the original model, which was lean, mean? Could they really strip the costs out and just purely go online, like a webjet or whatever? Yeah, but that, see, that's your contradiction. Their model originally was operating from shops. Yeah. And, and I think they, they haven't really given... Still the digital not. side. Because, okay. well, they, they, they're basically, their model is combining them both. Yep. So you go online and you need some more information and you talk to someone who sits actually on a chair and yep. talks to you. They still haven't given up on that one because they're only closing half right. of, their, of okay. their shop. So I think there's yep. your answer. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, across for, uh, from both of you for Flight Center and um, Claude is shorting it at the moment. So that's <laughs> never a good sign to buy in. Yeah, but not, but not for long. Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Our, um, you're watching the call, by the way, uh, between midday and 1pm every trading day here on AusBiz as we analyse 10 stocks that you want us to take a look at. And joining me now, uh, Rudy Philippek van Dyke, the editor of FN Arena and Claude Walker of A Rich Life. And it's great to have them on board to, uh, to run through the stocks with us. Um, next up, we've got a really good diverse list in our team today. So we're going to go from travel to offshore supply vessels. 
and uh, MMA offshore, Claude. What do you think of them? Uh, for me, this is just a stronger forehead company, like one of the most laughable companies on the, on the ASX. Um, now, because of... So let me explain one thing about this. It's a small company with a lot of debt operating in a cyclical industry. So what that means is even in the best of times, um, even when we don't have a horrible tragedy going on, you have this situation where you know oil prices go up and down, that impacts MMA Offshore's clients, which then impacts the um, demand for MMA Offshore's actual uh, services, which is you know servicing these um, offshore oil companies. So uh, ever since um, the oil price has been going down a few years ago, this is a this is basically a money losing business. Now, what why this exists on the stock market, in my opinion, is for people to gamble and be like, oh, I'll try and buy shares in this, and then the oil price will go up. Suddenly, there'll be a lot more demand, and these guys have fixed assets. You have that increasing demand over fixed assets. Suddenly, they make a lot of money, in theory. But as you can see with that wonderful long term share price there, this has been an absolute trap for anybody that bought shares in it. And of course, it's in even bigger trouble now that the the oil price has fallen so far. I just think it's just crazy to me that this is um, even a company that trades on the stock market. But I suppose it, it needs to trade publicly because no one really wants to hold the whole thing privately, I guess. Um, it's just a really difficult business to make money in. Yeah, and it's one of those stocks that you can you can weave a good story around it, can't you, as Claude was saying, but just exactly. not, nothing backs up the story, really. Uh, well... I like the sledgehammer approach by Claude. Um, <laughs> the, way I, the way I would put it, this is a good weather stock. Yeah? So when you do have a b- very buoyant environment for energy, this stock will really like there's no tomorrow and they will have customers and they will have revenue and profits and all of that. But I, I have to agree with Claude here. I, I like to nominate here that the oil and gas sector will be the hotspot for bad news over the next 18 months. That is absolutely going to happen why because the sector cannot operate at 28 dollars a barrel right and all the business models all the spending plans everything they put in place is from pre-february yeah and then and it's just not there are balance sheets out there they will be shot to pieces there are capital raisings coming well we already had oil surge coming that was long telegraphed and they're all gonna stop spending because their business models cannot cope with $28 a barrel, let alone that I actually think we'll, we'll see sub-20 in a few weeks from now. Um, that sector simply can't operate on that one. So what's going to happen, they're going to scale back all their spending, including Woodside, no growth, and it's all going to be about survival, balance sheet. And if so, if that means if you're a service provider to the oil and gas sector, basically you're, it's going to dry up. Yep. There's nothing. No, if you don't pick up the phone, nobody's going to call you. Right. And they won't, won't have money for you. So businesses like MRM are in particular in trouble because, as Claude said, they have a high cost of operation. They have these vessels. They can't just hibernate them. Right? Yeah. That's just not going to happen. So yeah. uh, these guys might actually go bankrupt. Right? Yeah. It just depends on how long the oil and gas sector okay. will, will stop spending. All right. Contrary view, Russians have blinked. Um, in the last, supposedly, sort of this tussle between the Saudis yeah. and the Russians. Yeah. Um, if they do get back together, production agreements are put in place. When are they meeting? The end of yeah. this week or this weekend? Yeah, it's Thursday, I think. It was, yeah, uh, they all come together yes. yeah. and go, right, 
Unfo no, no one's winning here. Unfo Oil price un goes un to 40 bucks. Unfortunately, no, it won't happen. It's, no. uh, it's a Band-Aid. Um, the demand side has just collapsed. Yeah, well, that's we, the other we, side. We, yeah, we, spo exactly. we spoke about yeah. uh, Flight Center earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That sector represents something like 16% of global oil demand, wow. airlines. Yeah. They're not flying. No. So, yes, we can tamper on the, on the supply side, but the demand side will... Uh, mean, what is happening in the world right now is that every available space for storage, including vessels on the water, tanks in the garden... <laughs> they I mean, can't find enough, can they? they it's, it's flooding with oil now. And so yeah. the next step will be that producers simply will have to stop producing. And then you get a problem with, with some of them will go out of business because they need the revenue. Yeah. So the market, we get this traditional cycle in commodities. It has now to weed out the weaker mm. ones uh, in the harsh way. Right. So, and, and that means, a, that means a, a, a significant lower price from here as well. Right. Okay. So MMA could be one of those casualties called. Just on, yeah, on MMA, I think part of the reason that we agree with it is because we don't, like to do that sort of really risky bottom picking. I suppose the one um, thing in favor of the company is if people are pricing it for bankruptcy, maybe they're valuing it on assets, which hypothetically it's trading at less than its assets. So, you know, hypothetically there's sort of value there in assets they own. But of course the flip side of that is in this kind of environment, nobody wants their assets yeah. and potentially their assets are overvalued anyway. Yeah, okay. All right, we've uh, five down, five to go on the call. We're halfway through. Uh, let's just uh, recap. Megaport, um, Rudy would rather be in XTC. Uh, Claude uh, loves Megaport at five to six bucks, which is a long way from where it is now. Oh, five. Um, yeah, Linus. Uh, if, if you're, yeah, yeah, no, I'm taking the mickey a bit, Claude, so that's all right. Um, Linus, only if you're a bottom feeder. Uh, Vanguard ETF, um, maybe if you want a dollar cost average um, and, and ride the market through. Flight Centre, um, Claude Shorty at the moment. Rudy is saying they've got 20 months of cash and that's it. Uh, and MMA is a no-go as well. Um, next one on the list, uh, stock number six for this edition of the call. Um, Rudy, let's kick off with you, Amcor. Amcor, one of my um, long-time favorites. I, um, unfortunately, I have to say for full uh, disclosure, I actually sold the shares by now. Right. Um, one of the reasons is they did that big acquisition in the US, which, which keeps a lot of people yeah. uh, enthusiastic, but it also there's a lot of risks with that as well. And um, to my annoyance, but it does, unfortunately, it's a public market, so it happens. One of the shortest short sellers in the US is now targeting the stock, um, claiming that the accountancy of, of MCO doesn't give a, um, an accurate picture right. of, of the situation inside the company. Given it is a bear market, and in the bear market, I reduce my risk. So I have sold the shares because I do not want to hold a stock that at some point may be has to admit that they have some irregularities in the accounting or whatever. Think about Borel, for example. Uh, yeah. Investors don't treat that very nicely. So in general terms, I would expect that um, without any irregularities, MCOR should do relatively well, given the type of business it is in. It's had a pretty good bounce back, hasn't it? Yeah, it got sold off very <coughs> heavily because it does have a lot of debt. Right. Uh, but it is that type of business that traditionally can have more debt because it's quite reliable and solid and everything it does. 
The alternative here is, and, and I'm shareholder in Aurora, which right. uh, basically is the old MCOR in Australia. Right. Um, and, and, and I suspect that um, given less problems there and less question marks, Aurora will perform better than MCOR right. for the time being. Also because Aurora is selling some assets and, and they are going to return some of that to the shareholders. Hmm. So, um, and, and in recent times, Aurora has performed quite well. Um, so my preference would be for Aurora, which is basically ex-Emcor. Right. Um, but Emcor, um, in, it's like Brambles, it's like some other business models out there, relatively resilient in, in recessions. Yeah. Uh, the only question mark I have is because we have an annoying um, yeah. shorter. And also the integration of BIMIS in the US. It's, a big, it's really a massive acquisition. It, it'll, it'll catapult Emcor to probably number one or two situation in the world. But... As we all know, taking over big companies in the mm. US, integration. Don't often work well. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes, even after half a year or a year, you do find the occasional corpse in the, in the closet. Yeah. Uh, and that just happens. I mean, that is always the risk with those, uh, with those yeah. things. But, okay. uh, but, but previous to this bear market, I had been a shareholder in Emco for a long time. Okay. Claude, what do you think of Emco? I, I think that. It's an, so the interesting idea that I had for Amcor was to maybe buy just $500 worth of shares in the hope that at some point throughout this, it uh, decides to raise capital to shore up the balance sheet. Because as Rudy was saying, it is somewhat defensive, certainly more defensive than the vast majority of companies. So if it did actually do a discounted capital raising, it's the kind of company where I'd be fairly comfortable to uh, basically trade that capital raising which would mean applying for the discounted shares in the hope of basically just selling them for a profit. Now, that's never guaranteed, but because of its defensive nature, I feel like it might be worth the risk, especially if the discount was enough. Of course, it does have a fair bit of cash offsetting its debt, so it's not necessarily going to raise capital at all. And then, of course, you could get caught out with uh, any kind of unexpected stuff in the accounts. Uh, having said that, at this point, you know, I actually do think it's kind of interesting for that capital raising play, but long term, I'm not enamored by the business. I just, it's just not got enough um, upside growth for my liking. Okay. Well, well this also maybe should, should be emphasized as well. Uh, it's accelerating right now. The world is becoming anti-plastic and MCOR is one of mm. the major players in plastic. Now, mm. uh, every analyst who covers the stock is convinced they are part of the solution. Uh, but nevertheless, it, it's, I mean, the, the, the ESG investors mm. at the moment haven't really decided how to, how to treat MCOR. And, and the world, you see it with legislations, with, with, with everything. It is, in particular, with one-use plastics, yeah. right? the one we throw away and stuff like that. We, yeah. The world wants to get rid of that. Yeah. And MCOR is uh, one of the major players in that. So. Okay. All right. Um, <coughs> after you saying that um, there's got to be a bloodbath in energy stocks over the uh, next six to 12 months, Rudy. Um, you wouldn't be a fan of Santos? Um, <laughs> well, I would, I, would, I would put it like this. If you, if, you, if you have to have exposure in Australia to that sector, you really want to, then maybe Santos is the, worst, is, is the least worst one to pick. Right. Uh, I, would, I would prefer Santos above Woodside here. But my mm -hmm. preference would be not to have exposure to, to that sector because I'm convinced that, I mean, the, the, the good thing about Santos is that Santos and Origin had uh, balance sheet problems the previous time it happened, in 2015, 2016. 
So the central share price went to uh, briefly below $4 at that time. And they had to uh, readjust their, their, their cost level, they had to raise capital, they had to uh, fix up their balance sheet, all of that. The good thing is that now they're back in that similar position, they're a little bit better uh, in, in, in dealing with it. But they will still have to cut their costs, they will still have to uh, 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 shelf some plans. And, and whether there's out, they will not have to raise capital, probably. But it doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, at some stage, the oil price can fall lower. And then they mean it will yeah. be a battle to stay profitable. Yeah. All right, Claude. What about uh, what about Santos? Yeah, I, I really don't like the industry they're in, so I tend to steer clear of it. But I agree with Rudy. It's definitely one of the survivors in that sector in Australia. So if you had a view that the oil price was going to recover and you wanted to position yourself to profit for that, then I think Santos is a reasonable way to way to, way to do that. Basically. All right. Okay. Uh, are you? Uh, how do you think the oil price is going to go? Are you a bear like, like Rudy is? I'm definitely cautious of it in the short term. I think that ultimately, because so much supply comes off when the share price drops, after a drop like this, we're going to see higher oil prices than where they are today. I'm almost certain. So it, my way to play that isn't to buy a gas producer. And also, I don't tend to try to even profit from uh, rising oil prices. It's just not really my strategy. But uh, I think it's definitely going to rebound in the months and years ahead as everyone gets back to work. But at the at the present minute, there's still a lot of companies out there that have debt. They've got dropping revenues. You need to see a lot of that supply come out. So if I was trying to time, and in fact, I might, my, my way to profit from this would probably to be investing renewable energy companies but at the same time what you want to see is some of that supply come offline because once the supply uh, stops supplying you have the stages set for a increasing oil price and then of course uh, it takes a while for supply to come back on so you've got this period when you're going to have higher oil prices now the reason I like renewable energy as a way to play that is because because renewable energy has such low operating costs, it's very hard to kill uh, because it can always keep producing profitably. That's not the mm. case for certain oil producers where it might be quite expensive for them to actually get the oil, so they need a certain price for it. It's just game over. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, uh, let's stick with um, resource stocks, um, mineral resources, Rudy. Probably one of the better operators in, in the resources space. It, it combines... Um, being a service provider with actually being a, being a mining stock. It does both. Um, but you, I mean, you have to ride the ups and downs and you have to have a, a, a stomach for volatility. Yeah. Um, at the moment, they have the disadvantage going on that they have quite a large of exposure to lithium. And lithium is on its knees, basically. So you can take a contrarian view and say, well, well lithium is going to pick up. The share price will probably pick up. That's true. But we also have had uh, iron ore price holding up quite well. And I have a suspicion that at some stage that's going to come down. Um, so that it's not a black and white story here. It's probably a mix. Um, so probably if you are really interested in, 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 in um, uh, adding something like mineral resources, buy them when they're down on their knees and, yeah. and, 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 and when, they, when the share price gets, and, gets ridiculous. And by the look of that, it's not on its nose. No, and it's, it has been lower, <laughs> exactly. So may, maybe now, it's on a risk-adjusted uh, uh, momentum trade, maybe not now. Wait okay. until it gets weaker. Yeah, all right. Claude? 
Yeah, I think this is actually interesting for all the reasons Rudy said, but also uh, I, I guess I can add two points to that, which is when you have a, a, a founding MD with a, a fair bit of skin in the game, uh, I think he owns hundreds of millions of dollars worth of shares. Maybe Rudy can correct me if I'm off the mark there. But on top of that, uh, you also have a, a diversified uh, organization. There's no one single resource that is the only thing that matters. And then finally, if we look out a few years here, we've got this massive money printing going on and that could cause inflation. And if you wanted to protect yourself against an inflationary environment, one way to do that would be to own you know, something in, resources, uh, in the resources sector because ultimately you know, that, that should hold up fairly well. So overall, I actually think that this is probably worth uh, looking at for people who like to invest in that sector. Although, again, you know, for me, I prefer to look at more tech and healthcare and, and that kind of thing as being the, the real uh, industries of the future. There's still some real positives in this one. Okay. I guess this is why I say, but we're still going to have a recession, a global one. Yep. So I think um, any inflation outbreak is at least years multiple into the future. Yep. I mean, and if that happens, buy gold, mm. right? Gold does its trick when it, when it, out, when it breaks yeah. out. You don't have to go for, uh, for mining stocks that have their particular risks as well. Right? Yeah. There's no saying that yeah. you, know, you never know when lithium is back in favor, I mean, yeah. for example. And in, I mean, we can have an inflation outbreak and lithium on its knees still. Right? So yeah. anyway, it's not a black or white story. And sort of yeah, if you take a, a lead from a reserve bank saying that interest rates are going to be here for years to come. Yes. Um, Exactly. Uh, they're really not backing an inflation outbreak. And I've already seen so. commentary saying that that this recession, this crisis, is gonna is gonna keep bond yields lower forever, yeah. which is a big call. But let's let's just translate forever in a long time. Yeah. And we're probably gonna be very accurate here, I think. Okay. All right. Um, all right, Claude, you're more you were saying more in uh, tech and healthcare and pharmaceuticals. What do you think of uh, Hills Limited? Can we call it a tech stop? Maybe not. Uh, Probably. An industrial tech stop, an old-fashioned tech stop. Yeah. Would that be a, a good description of it? Uh, yeah, I think that works. But I guess the real, the real problem um, with this company is that it just doesn't seem to have any kind of clear offering of a sort of uh, a near-term area of expertise. I would, I would argue that it's a company without a competitive advantage. And I think if you look at their long-term uh, share price, that is absolutely borne out. Um, they've, they're in, in some ways, you know, I'd argue that they're too diversified to get me interested. Uh, I would prefer own a small, so this is a small company, right? About a $50 million market cap. For me, if you're a $50 million market cap company, you want to have one offering. Hopefully it has really good organic growth. There's real demand there. You own all the IP to it you have a competitive advantage there and you're just focused on growing that one thing. And that's how you can get, you know, super normal returns, um, especially off a small base. To have um, a small company that has, you know, diversified stuff in um, technology and a bit of health and, and that kind of thing with also, um, you know, constant restructuring, a history of destroying shareholder wealth. It's just basically a strong avoid for, for me on the basis of the quality of the business is not there. You know, it's, yeah. there's, I, I was no way I would ever own this stock basically until it had a completely different look about it. Uh, it. It looks like a real destroyer of capital to me. And and 
when I yeah, basically it's small because it's failed in my opinion, not because it's it's growing and it's at the beginning of its journey. Yeah, it's, um, it is true. T- tell us what you really think, Claude. No, no, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I lo- no, I love the way you put it because it's a famous brand name, Australian name, is it? It's just stunning. And oh. well, but when you look at it, I'm with you. You go, what the hell do you do? Um, I can't, couldn't figure out what it was good at. Well, it's it's one of those. Yeah, there's plenty of the, 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 Obviously, had a plan a few years back, but yeah. it just hasn't really worked out. I mean, and I actually think it's it's a moment of nostal- nostalgic here yes. because, because it's a hill's hoist. Yeah, right. They're no longer are connected to the company. They sold it way back, but these are the guys who started off yes. with the hill's hoist. Yeah, now a completely different company. I agree with everything that Claude says in in the exact words he, he used. I would I would use I would use two other things to, to again emphasize the point is that a declining share price that starts off on long term charts in the right left hand top and moves to the right hand bottom is not a good stock to buy in. I mean the market is telling you a story there. And the other thing is I actually checked upon this stock yesterday. And I couldn't believe how low the volume actually is. That's mm. another really, really sign for investors. Don't pick stocks where there's hardly any volume in. Yeah? Yeah. Like there's that old stockbroker joke that I mean, you've been buying the stock and it doubles in price. And when you sell it halves in the price again, yeah? <laughs> because you're the one doing all the buying and the selling. Yeah? Yeah. And yeah. that's, I mean, if the volume is not there, don't go there. All right? Because you, got, you might get stuck. And in particular in bear markets, if, if, it, if it goes on for, for too long, Liquidity dries up, and there are stocks that literally have have no volume at some point. Yep, yep. Okay. And I, I might add one one thing on that. If so, it's it's a distribution. Generally speaking, distribution networks often only have room for one or most two sort of really profitable players. It's naturally a low margin business, so you don't really want to be the small also ran in that kind of game. Um, I do own one distributor, which is uh, Dicker Data, which has like a long term history of basically doing the opposite of what Hills has done, like growing and, and improving its profits and, and paying bigger and bigger dividends. Um, so I think that's what you're looking for in a distrib- distributor. Of course, they all come with their risks because um, they are a low margin kind of business. Mm, okay. All right. Um, final stock of uh, the cold number 10 uh, today, Paradi- Paradigm Biopharmaceuticals. Um, Claude, they've just done a done a raise, put a raise away, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And, you know, I think that there's some legitimate criticism here. Uh, one might ask, why didn't they do this raise when the, when the share price was a lot higher? Uh, they sort of didn't, they didn't really time it very well, which to me is a probably uh, would reduce my confidence in management. Um, I think it's been made of the fact that their drug is sort of safe. But not enough emphasis has been uh, put on the question of how well it works and if it is sufficiently better than the other alternatives out there to really justify uh, being approved and, and hitting the market there. So my personal view of this is that when the, mar- when the market is um, in- insufficiently worried about whether it'll get approved, the, generally speaking, the risk reward is, is not favourable, as in... Most of the time, when there's speculation that a new drug is going to get approved for a new use by the FDA, most of the time I've noted there's like a lot of optimism in there. And 
the true believers who are the ones actually trading in the stock, they all have an optimistic point of view, whereas the people who are more skeptical don't trade in the stock at all because they just don't know. And so it's easy to get an overinflated share price uh, based on that situation. And I, I speak from experience, by the way, many years ago, I was uh, looking forward to FDA approval from uh, a different company called Pharmaxis, which then, you know, it didn't happen. And the share price, I think, halved overnight and continued to fall for many years after that. So I'm, I, don't, I don't play that kind of game because I just think that most of the time it doesn't work out. Yeah, but yeah. you never know, you could get the lucky one. Yeah, you've been burnt before on it. What do you reckon, Rudy? Well, share price went down 70%. Um, that that's usually not because someone's making a mistake or anything. That's because it's high, the market's telling you it's high risk. Right? Yeah. Um, I think similar with with the liners. I think these are good news uh, stories. Uh, they need a good news environment. I mean, they need the sun sun to shine, not the rain to pour down. Um, so I mean, now is not the time to buy buy good weather stocks. I mean, okay. uh, unless you want to have a punt. But right. uh, maybe we should maybe we should have a, f a similar program for punters. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm appealing to investors. I mean, this is not the type of stock you want to have in your portfolio. Okay. All right. Well, that's our uh, final stock of the ten. I don't think either of you. Megaport. Megaport. <laughs> well, me Megaport. Well, you like next TC. That's it. And and Claude would start accumulating at about eight bucks. It's it's eleven yeah. at the moment. So uh, basically. Megaport, Linus, Vanguard, ETF, Flight Centre, MMA Offshore, um, Amcor, Aurora, better option in your, your eyes, Rudy, Santos, only if the oil price is going to go on a tear, according to uh, Claude Mineral Resources, uh, Hills, Paradigm. All right. I assume that is because most questions will come from share prices that have been clobbered. Yeah, right? that's right. And, and, and they're really saying, good. should we get out? Exactly, and the really good solid companies, their share price don't, don't, yeah. don't get okay. clobbered that much. Give us, I'm going to ask both of you, just quickly, question without notice, one stock that you like in the market at the moment. Um, I like, I like um, let's pick someone, Zero. Zero? Yes. You like Zero? And I'm, I'm a long-term shareholder, for, for, insofar I can be because it hasn't it's been listed. It's never made any money. Oh, but that's a choice. <laughs> right. Because, in fact, that's, a, that's why I love it, doing this program yes. um, every day between midday and one, because it was slaughtered by one of our panels late last week. Oh, I so, would love to be with him on, uh, on this perfect. show. Perfect. We'll put you together. Claude, if there's one stock that you'd, you'd buy in this market? Well, so one stock I've been buying probably in volume, like over the last last week, not this week, but uh, was 3P Learning. Oh, so yeah. I'm not sure if you're aware of um, this company. It owns the online um, athletics. So I think a lot of people with children would have actually seen their children use yeah. that. So yeah. basically, it's sort of this it's this maths program. They have a few others as well, but that's their main product. And it's all over the world. It's already selling it all over the world. It has that sort of proven acceptance in schools around the world. And of course, suddenly now, according to uh, my research, uh, basically more people are using this product due to the fact that their children need to stay home. Yeah. Now you've got one key question. Is this just a temporary thing where more people use it, but you don't get any long lasting advantage? Or actually, is this an opportunity for... Uh, children and teachers, more importantly, to be introduced to the product 
if the parents see them using the product, the parents give the feedback to the children, yeah, this is great, you know, we like mm. it. And, and then maybe it actually sustainably improves sales, at least for the medium term. So yeah. that's why I've bought shares in that one. Okay, that's really fascinating. Two really interesting ones there. Um, Claude. And, and Bolton Technology Space. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, modern technology space, absolutely. Rudy, Philippe, thank you for joining us. Good to catch up, sir. Claude Walker, really appreciate all your comments today. A lot of fun. Look forward to having you both back. Thank you. Good on you. That's it for the call for today. We will be back tomorrow between midday and 1 p.m. 10 stocks, 60 minutes, two experts. If you want to add to our list of stocks to analyse tomorrow, you can email your suggestions to the call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter at AusBizTV. We will see you then. Coming up after the break, The Pulse. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.